0: Well I won't back down, no I won't back down, you can stand me up at the gates of hell, but I won't back down.
1: Gonna- Welcome to the Eat, Slay, Live podcast. And we are the loxecutioners. We're going to be eating lightning and talking thunder and tasering your ear holes today sweet what's up brother not not much <clears throat> i
2: i don't know if you brought me a gift or but todd entered the studio with a uh, a ziploc bag he has some stuff in it what mm-hmm. do you got well nope. This... i can nope i didn't get a present you, didn't, you <laughs> did not get a present
1: <laughs> <laughs> you did, i guess you didn't see my post today well i did not do you, remember, you this was he's kind of before your time or before we moved from Campsville. but my old middle school coach red eye schumann i'm sure you've heard that it, red eye yep well, he passed away last with week. a name like red eye i mean it just sticks yeah you just you, know? you get a name it's like he's like like share or bono I, or you know madonna whatever just a one one word name it, it, it comes across red eye you just think he's some famous coach or something <laughs> i mean
2: i mean i know he's a coach but i mean yeah. like he's some all-state or like or you know hall of famer i should well, say he is a hall of Famer. is he he's in the Naismith, I don't, I don't, Naismith hall of fame yeah. seriously
1: I, yeah so yeah, so he, he passed, is he passed away and uh I went up to his uh, funeral yesterday, which was held in our old basketball gymnasium up there in Campsville, which I thought was pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah, we, and we,
2: s- we went and watched a little wrestling. <laughs> we <went and> watched <laughs> there
1: Watch some pro wrestling there. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a picture of like when I was in eighth grade of the team, and uh, Red Eye is wearing this uh, tie, and it says Cougars on it. Okay, and so uh, I saw his, you know, his daughter was at the funeral. She said, hey, I got something for you. I got something for you. And comes up to me and gives me the tie that he was wearing in that picture. That is a Uh, cool gift. I've stayed in touch with him. I I just, you know, you just get somebody like in your past that has a huge influence over you. And that's just the way he was with me. you know what I'm saying? He was like, I I mean, if you did what Red Eye did back then and you did it now coaching, you'd be in jail. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like he, when I say he was a hands-on coach, I mean, <laughs> literally hands on you, <laughs> you know, and like I told this story on Facebook, but I, and uh, this isn't an, a, a super interesting story, but so we're, we're scrimmaging one day and, uh, I don't know, some kid, like fa- I go up for a shot, missed a shot, kid fouls me. And I'm like, Hey, what and red eyes refing. I'm like, Hey, where's the foul? Where's the foul? And he's like, incidental contact locks. I'm like, okay. We go back go back down the floor and I just level the first kid I see down there just level him and red. I'm like foul and I'm like incidental contact coach and he comes over grabs me by the jersey drags me to the door and is like get out now you know where we lived we lived you know outside of town like two or three miles and there's no street lights and this obviously no sidewalks no sidewalks there was snow it was it was basc- I mean, it's basketball season so it's winter so there's snow mm-hmm. on the ground this isn't an uphill both ways in the snow but there's snow on the ground it's getting dark there's not a street light. you know it, it when you walked like where we you lived it was pitch black and you start
2: to get out of town and the cars now, aren't going there's 25. no car like
1: you're you're walking down a highway I mean, yeah. it's route 100 it's yeah. not you know it's not elm street and uh, so i'm i'm kind of standing at the door and i'm like i'm like well so and so is my ride He's like, well, so and so didn't get kicked out. Get going. And then he turns around and he goes, he goes, he goes, well, you can go in the office and call your mom if you want with a smirk on his face. I <laughs> and so if there's one person in this world tougher than Red Eye Schumann was. It was Sergeant Margaret. And so Red Eye was also the bus driver up there. And mom was a bus driver. And he knew, he knew that if I called her and I said I got kicked out of practice, there was no like she was going to side with me. You know, today, today parents are like, why'd well, you kick my kid? out he you know he does no wrong i mean she knew that whatever if red eye was saying it about me that i actually did it and deserved it so i just i just walked my happy ass on home in the snow red eye wasn't taking your lip locks (laughs) no no way that i mean but i just and i just and you were kind of we were talking about this earlier but like he just his style like he like Part of it was like super intense, and then part of it was just like he he was also would make you laugh, you know. And then you know, part of you know, I I put on Facebook, you know, that that coach him hard, hug him after sort of thing. And I like to, I like to think I kind of use that style today you know just somebody that's influenced yeah, he knew you. how to knock you down and then pick you up pick you back make, up yeah. exactly exactly it wasn't all uh, negative reinforcement it wasn't all positive reinforcements kind of break you down build you up that sort of military he he was a purple heart winner in 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 the korean war so he kind of had that that military sort of background and let's go back to you said
2: he's in the naismith hall of fame
1: yeah i don't know much about that Uh, he had the the, the plaque was there and I didn't really get to, I didn't know a lot of these things. I mean, I've known him for, you know, my whole life, but a lot of things I didn't know about it because he wasn't posting on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I'm like, he just did. He refed in the NBA. Uh, yeah. So, and I remember he wore a shirt, like a, like a. Official shirt that said had MBA on it. You can, but we never. You never heard him talk about. I wish you would have done a little more research, like you do. (laughs) But I I see your notepad over. There's nothing on there. So, but yeah, that's not my job. You know, and and I posted this big thing about him on Facebook today, and somebody said something about you know about talking about you know that's how people want to be talked about when they die and things. You know, and I just kind of hit like like I mean, every day we're sort of writing our eulogy. Does that make sense? Yep. Like every day. And if, and, and if you want people to say those like good things about you, that's, I, I mean, you need to live your life that way. That's the only way that's going to happen. Do you know what I'm saying? just, and speaking, that, that's a great segment because I feel like, I feel like, and I, nope, not to bring up your eulogy there, chief, but <laughs> I don't think you're going anywhere soon. But I, I mean, the, the, the guy we have in the studio today is a guy who I, I can't imagine all the great things that will be said that are said about him. Uh, will be and so talking our guest today is uh chief brad wells hello chief hello fellas well welcome to the eat say live podcast i i know you're probably a huge fan of the show
0: (laughs) i am a fan (laughs) welcome to the show chief thank you
1: Comes in in uniform. I like that, don't you, Ross? Very impressed. Well, I bet you stood a little straighter. I
2: I was down underneath the bar doing some inventory. And someone came, I'm here to meet Todd and Ross. And I looked over, because I mean, everybody always just, you always meet them. And looked up, and it was. I mean, I couldn't tell who it was from um, down low. <laughs> I could just see the <laughs> uniform. Like, I'm, oh, I'm surprised you <laughs> didn't go back down.
1: Just <laughs> sort of sink back down <laughs> under the bar. <laughs> well, welcome, Chief. Welcome. So you know, Chief comes down to a uh, down to Pride Thunderdome. He's he's there three times a week at least. At least, at three. least. sometimes sometimes four. We can't get can't get rid of you. So. And he's done a lot of great things, helping Pride, like with our move. And I tell you, Ross, whenever we, I don't know, I found out we had to to move. I think it was probably on a Friday, and on Monday he was showing me buildings around <laughs> Wood River. <laughs> I, didn't, I, wasn't
0: want, I didn't want him to leave,
1: and, and some of these buildings, like, okay, chief, we both know this is never gonna work. <laughs> but we were seriously. The two days later, we're we're looking at buildings, and I and I thank him for that. So. Well, we're just going to kind of get into your life, Chief. All right? Um, now, Ross, there's some parallels between his family and ours. He he's, uh, also has three brothers. There's four, four brothers in the family, no, no daughters.
0: Where do you sit? I'm number three in the pecking order. Now, my oldest brother's deceased. He died about a month before his 50th birthday. But uh, we, the oldest three were uh, pretty close in age. And then Brent, my younger brother, who uh, Todd knows well, Uh, there's about six and a half years between me and him, but, um, I think he kind of dictated the mood of the family from the day he came out of the womb, kind of like, (laughs) kind of like my youngest son, my youngest son did the same thing. You know, the youngest kind of dictate what kind of mood the family's going to be in the rest of the day. But
2: I mean, I, I, I I can understand that
0: being the youngest, right, Mm -hmm. right. (laughs) yeah there's there's uh there was four of us growing up and then my mom died when i was little so uh, how how old were you when she passed two weeks after my 12th birthday oh wow she had been sick for about a year and a half
1: so so then brent would have only been like six years old
0: yeah 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 and it was you know kind of tough on him tough i mean tough on all of us but you know obviously i had 12 years you know to know her and Mm i've got those memories and those stories and things like that but you know when you're six years old you don't have right. those kind of memories you know um
1: and i excuse me for not being able to do the math how how old was your uh your brother's deceased now how old was he when she
0: passed he was 17 and you know he spent a lot of time my dad was a shift worker so and my mom was in and out of the hospital a lot and he spent a lot of time basically being yeah you know the the, Head of the household of the yeah family of you know three pet raccoons
1: (laughs) well your dad working shift work and your mom's like you guys were probably just wild
0: (laughs) right yeah but he you know he and and i describe my oldest brother as you know somebody that's also you know a very good-hearted person but also meaner than a snake Uh you know so you know he, he did not mind you know, being the one that you know put the hammer down on you when the need was there. Right. And, you know, but but I think a lot of it was too. He was seventeen when she died, and and it was harder on him than really I think all of us. You know that that he, um, you know, kind of took a different path. He ended up leaving the area, uh, went to Texas for a while, and ended up in Tennessee, and then and at the age of nineteen, and then never did come back. You know, wow. he would he would. Um, you know, pop in and out, but he just kind of estranged himself, you know, during that time. And I think a lot of it was that just related to that heartbreak that he had on my mom dying.
1: Just kind of get away from the memories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So when he left and you would have still young then, right? Like eight, like eight, nines, or I'm sorry, 14. like 13, 14.
0: Yeah. And I can remember him, him and my dad weren't seeing eye to eye and he packed a bag and, and I can still remember him walking South on route 111 you know and and i'm behind him and yeah i hadn't thought about no in a while yeah but i can remember him walking and uh i can remember riding my bike you know just begging him Mm -hmm. not to not to go but he did
1: because he was he was you know your your idol your 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 mom your dad when you know what i'm saying yeah yeah sorry about that i that's, hadn't had that memory yeah. in a while yeah that's <laughs> and he in no car he just took off walking huh
0: yeah and then didn't hear from him for a long time and mm. uh and that's where he was at he was in texas
1: wow huh um what what did your dad do you said he worked shift work what did he do
0: he worked uh he was a, a security guard at shell and that kind of situation evolved um you know as our life went on when he first hired in there in the early 70s um, the shell security guards were basically like policemen for Mm -hmm. the refinery and he even had a a special uh, deputy sheriff commission from the county because a lot of the shell executives lived up in kendall hill neighborhood and they patrolled that neighborhood thus the sheriff at the time actually gave him police powers so yeah i saw my dad every day there you go have some police powers (laughs) control your neighborhood (laughs) control it any way you want (laughs) right but he put a uniform on every day and you know i'm seeing that as a little kid and then Mm -hmm. we grew up in south roxana we had my dad had built a house there and and uh uh, ed bailey was the police chief down there And south roxana was a pretty young incorporated town at the time and i remember my dad had a he was a part-time policeman in south roxana so thus the the kind of the path that i went on i wanted to do two things in life i either wanted to be a farmer or a policeman (laughs) yeah and and i kind of held on to that you know throughout my life so even when you take those high school tests you know as to what career Uh you should go into my my number one was you need to be a farmer Oh really? But my but my problem was my family didn't own the farm. <laughs> that's an issue. You need some acres, chief. Yeah. Right, right. You know, uh,
1: I was talking to Brent before you came on. He said you were kind of a you were kind of a mother henner. That's how he how he
0: described yeah, you. I still am. Yeah,
1: that, that that's what he said. So four boys growing up, uh, dad's working shift work. You guys are living in South Roxana. You guys were some tough tough kids, right?
0: Well, it. Just amongst ourselves, <laughs> right. you know, Just a just a battle for the last biscuit on the plate, and <laughs> <laughs> kind you of, kind of made you that way, right? Right. Where'd you graduate high school? I actually graduated from Bethel Christian Academy. Um, I went to Roxana High School my entire high school years. My senior year, my dad was was pretty evident, and that school was right across the street from our house. And my dad was the school was trying to get going, and they had had. Uh, the first year was my junior year, but I re- absolutely refused to go there. So the second year, you know, I could see the relationship with my dad. I mean, I was really, really close with my dad. But, you know, you're in that 16, 17-year-old age. And um, my final year of high school, all I needed was to go a half a year uh, or a half a day. And half a day? A half a day. So uh, That was kind
2: of common back then, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, where I had enough credits to graduate, basically just to complete my high school credits, all I had to go to school was till noon. So, and and it, it I just saw it as making the relationship with my dad. Not that it was bad, not at all. I've always had a good relationship with my dad, but it, just to make it better. Why? You know, I,
2: why was Why was he so strong about you going there?
0: I think a lot of it was um, just the things that had happened in our family with my mom dying my brother my older brother uh, leaving and the friction that was there between my oldest brother and my dad and then my other brother boyd not that he was a foul ball or anything he did a great job you know was on his path he had already graduated and was doing things and i think my dad just wanted to make sure that that i had that right foundation you know my mom was always very big sunday school go to church sunday okay. morning sunday night wednesday you know dragging us you know to those things i never did get to complete watching walt disney at 6 p.m you know <laughs> when we were kids because it was time to go to church but we uh, i think that a lot of that was just my dad wanting to not only support the church support the school but and and i gave in and i went and i and i'm glad i did there was a guy there by the name of steve futrell that was the principal i had known him for years prior to that and Futrell. Yeah, yes he still had Futrell's down down yeah. in roxana right yep steve futrell I, I, um so his son jamie is the soccer coach at yeah I, uh, we Roxanna. graduated in the same class I mean, okay. roxana i was with alto but yeah, yeah i'm friends with jamie yeah so his dad was actually the principal okay. of that school at that time and uh one of the most um theological and smartest people i think i've ever met in my life and i've still maintained contact with that guy uh now and and just like you talk about your junior high coach steve futrell is one of those mentors that you have in life that you just gravitate to and hang on to i like that yeah
1: you know he didn't get to watch Disney. I never got to watch Wrestling at the Chase on Sunday mornings because we were in church. We we would pull in the driveway and just come sprinting in trying to catch the very end of Wrestling at the Chase. We'd catch a little bit of old Piper's Pit right uh, before.
2: I'm not sure what happened with me because I, I didn't spend a day in church. I got we to watch can, all the wrestling. We can,
1: we can tell, bud. We can tell. So um, – so graduate out of high school so what what's the path we choose then i I know you didn't go straight into to law enforcement right right out of the
0: gate no and you know really at that point it wasn't a situation where you know i just didn't have that mapped out and you know as an older guy i wish i could go back and talk to the younger guy i think like a lot of us Mm -hmm. and i just don't know that i had my head screwed on straight when it come to what the path in life i wanted to take you know like You know, didn't have things lined out to go to college, didn't have that ready to go. And I think a lot of that was related to maybe just things I had buried inside from my mom dying. Mm -hmm. And uh, like Brent said, I was the mother hen. you know, I couldn't, um, you know, beyond my grandmother's house, you know, go somewhere without getting homesick. Yeah, You know, so it uh, led me to I ended up working for the bank downtown in wood river
1: now I, I saw like i was looking at your your resume and stuff and it said it said something about loan officers So now i heard you were just a glorified repo man you that <laughs> you were the guy that going around repossessing
0: the repossessing stuff thus pushing me in further into my law enforcement career you. where at least i got a job where they gave me a gun <laughs>
1: you weren't going taking people's crap without without right. being, yeah
0: without a weapon yeah i was involved in a few situations repossessing vehicles and, and yeah i'm um, sure there's some not
2: happy customers when you show up
0: yeah the bank that i worked for um they gave a lot of over the road truck loans so then you would have to go try <laughs> to repossess those bigger trucks and things like that <laughs> like a trucker a semi truck driver yeah
2: oh good well, luck yeah. <laughs> yeah. oh yeah <man. laughs> yeah because you're not just taking their 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 car they drive around town you're taking their fucking job yeah yeah (laughs) yeah you're taking their
0: their bread and butter yeah so
2: some fights happen with that
0: luckily i didn't get beat up but (laughs) but i had i had some threats to be beat up um you know and and basically i learned how to talk my way out of things a little bit closer obviously i didn't want to get into a bad situation figuring that depending on how it would go i'd put a lot of liability on the bank and then um I do remember, and, and he still doesn't remember this story. If you know a guy named Rich Gillespie, he was an Alton policeman. Um, I remember repossessing a, a Camaro Berlinetta, if you remember this. <laughs> I took, that, took one of those to my senior coronation. So I repossessed T-tops. one of those in, in uh, Alton. And I snuck up, put the key in the car out of the driveway, and I get <laughs> back, and it was on State Street, and I take off. And, and my brother was following me because i had him give me a ride up there like at midnight one Mm -hmm. o'clock in the morning and i'm coming down alby and i actually drove right past the old alton police department and before like where landmarks is now you could still get on there from alby before they redid it but i'm trying to find the light switch well usually on cars you know it's a knob you just pull the knob and lights would turn on well I wasn't familiar with these cars, and it was like a a switch of some kind. So I'm driving without my lights Uh on. Just trying to get away from the scene. Just trying to get away. Well, the guy had called, reported the car. Somebody just stole my car. And then uh Glispy pulls me over and to make a long story short i'm trying to tell him i've got repossession papers he ends up throwing me over the hood of the car <laughs> was, was he kind of a tall dude
1: bald-headed big old must yeah he was a rough old dude too wasn't he, he was he was old school police wasn't you, he
0: you got that right yeah <laughs> that was my introduction to him <laughs>
1: that's that's awesome yeah that guy was that guy was around when i was there man he was he was a tough old
0: bird yeah um
1: so how do we how are we taking the police path where does that how does that start
0: so uh chuck nunn was the police chief in Wood River at the time when i was working at the bank and uh connie skinner actually worked at the bank and ralph skinner um was also a former police chief and and uh you probably you know um uh the skinner family uh chris skinner was football coach up at uh georgeville so I was surrounded by some of the people that worked at the Wood River Police Department. So then I kind of set my path on, I either wanted to work at the Wood River Police Department or I wanted to work at the Madison County Sheriff's Office because there was a couple of deputies that came in and out. And then I just started, you know, testing for those departments and ended up, as things went on, I ended up working for whatever then went to the sheriff's department and then ended up coming back to whatever after i finished my time at the sheriff's office
1: ross he, he just glossed over 31 years of police work right there
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right well thanks
1: for coming on brad we, uh, <laughs> well maybe we'll get you on here for part two
0: <laughs>
1: uh, I want to rewind something real quick it, that you said. It's kind of funny. Is you you were talking about like making decisions when you're like eighteen, right out of high school, didn't quite have your head through. Isn't it funny how like eighteen, when you're probably the biggest punk ever on on at that time of your life, you have to make some of the biggest decisions of your life. You're know, like what you want to be. Are you gonna take out a two hundred thousand dollar college loan are you going you know what what's your career path i mean you're making one of the biggest decisions of your entire
0: life it probably the worst time of your life
1: (laughs) you know what i'm saying
0: yeah and i agree with exactly what you're saying there and and i go back to my dad you know we my family came from southeast missouri down in the boot hill and i think my dad the highest he went to was sixth grade and ended up getting his ged you know going to school down where they grew up you know once you got to the point where you could carry uh, a cotton sack you went to work and that's where you know when we did end up up here more into you know the industrial world and working and going to school more of a what we're used to now I don't know that my dad was really intergrained in that and and so you didn't have that coming at us like that. Uh And that's with with my three boys, since they were, you know, old enough to understand things that, you know, I just pounded on them, pounded on them, pounded on them, that how important it is to have those things lined up during your high school years so that way you know what path you're going to go on. Once you do graduate from high school.
2: But you know, we've had numerous I mean, it was a great point that you brought up, but we've had numerous, including ourselves, numerous successful people on here that take that took different paths. We've had some guys come in here and they're like, From the time I was fourteen, I knew what I wanted to be. They're on this path and they're successful at what they're doing, you know, today, still on that path. And then we've had people who me and you included <laughs> we had to make those decisions and I don't know if we made the wrong ones, but we just kind of floated a little bit until, you know, later in life when we're a little more mature, made solid decisions to what we really want to do. So it's kind of, it's, I love what you're doing with your kids and, I, and that's the route I'll take. Um, but I think, you know, to our listeners, I don't, I don't think you necessarily have to make the right decision. At 18, you know, I, you, you still, do, you got room. That's also, it's the, you're making the most important decision in your life, but you're also, that's the time in your life where it,
1: You have the most room to make mistakes. Exactly, and I think you know I've done a lot of I've had a lot of jobs that we went over before, and some crap ones, and it makes you appreciate. You know, it makes me appreciate now more what I do because of the things I did back then. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, I remember, like working, like our stepdad had a construction business, and I worked there uh, over the summers in college, and I cannot hammer and nail but just going out there and doing that manual labor you know i worked i worked 40 hours a week in the summer and just made me okay this is not what i want to do or where i will do it just makes you appreciate things more too when you do kind of find your calling i think yeah you know now you're you he has three boys one's a state trooper any, any girls in the wells family
0: oh not not for me <laughs> you know i i no girls for me brent no brent dogs. had a yeah did his have a brother Brent has a girl Brent, brent's got a daughter what, yeah. what boy no, that's right he, boyd right had a daughter and a son gotcha gotcha
1: um so one son is a illinois state police trooper right correct uh another one is in the air
0: force yep my youngest one's in the air force
1: and the other one's other one's national guard
0: he's in the army national guard and just got back from kuwait just
1: got back from kuwait wow yeah uh the ones in the military they have aspirations to go into law enforcement you know
0: so the one that's in the army national guard he's an mp okay and he just got back from a deployment over to kuwait came back he's actually going to school out at siu for construction management but he knows that he can always fall back on that that Mm -hmm. that uh, military or the police career and has even talked about maybe following the path of of luke my oldest into the illinois state police
1: Gotcha.
2: I mean, right there, I mean, he has good options. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, right. He's like, I'm gonna go to SIUE and I'm gonna go make some big bucks in construction management, <laughs> or I can fall back into yeah. what I've already done. Yeah, yeah. yeah. sounds anyway, like you're doing yeah, a good job.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, they've done a good job. They really have, and and I'm I'm blessed by what I have with them, and I thank God every day for the path that they're on.
1: Yeah, I mean, because you have a. a
0: from what I can tell you I have a pretty tight
1: relationship with him. Oh yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. Well, it goes back to that mother hen thing. <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, I'll, I'll, argue with Brent over things there, but I'll agree with him hundred percent. You know, I still even tried to mother hen him. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's awesome.
2: Um, so let's do a little scooting back here. Okay. So we skipped over 31 years. Yeah. Here,
1: so <laughs> let's scoot back. Maybe go back and touch on him a little bit.
2: <laughs> so let's go back. So you, how was it getting was Todd had to go to the police academy how how was getting into being a police officer when you started so
0: back in this was in the late 80s um, and I actually hired in my uh, first day on the job was in July of 90 at Wood River so I started testing in the late 80s late 89 and back then, I can remember the first test that I took, they actually had the physical test at the East Alton Wood River High School, and they were doing a joint test with Jerseyville and Wood River, the same guy that was um, doing the testing. And there was over 300 people in that gym, you know, that you were competing with. For, for those Wood tests. River
2: and Jerseyville.
0: Yeah. Wow. And, you know, now, you know, man, you can't hardly get 15 people to show up yeah. for those tests. but. Uh, went through the physical test and then the written test and the psychological and and ended up uh, coming out number one on that list for woodriver and and then obviously got hired when they had an opening
2: then how long were you at Wood River?
0: i was at Wood River just under two years the first time and and then um bob Churchich was the sheriff in madison county at that time and i was actually on their list too and um he had called, wanted me to come up and talk to him, and they had a drug and alcohol task force that they were getting ready to form. And not that I wanted to leave Wood River, didn't have a problem with Wood River or anything like that. But I was young, aggressive, and I just saw the sheriff's office as offering more opportunities for me to get into what I wanted to do, you know. And my ultimate goal was I wanted to investigate homicide, and and that was where I had my sights on, and I wasn't going to stop until I had that goal of obtained at that point and the sheriff's office offered more opportunity to do that so i went up and i worked on that drug and alcohol task force
1: so that Uh, you went straight like left wood river that that was kind of your first assignment there at madison county yeah you must they must have saw big things out of you at wood river he was number one in his class
0: (laughs) well i've not been number one at many times many times but um but i went to work up at the sheriff's office and worked in that drug and alcohol task force for about three years. And that was a uniform detail. And then, uh, the opportunity came up for me to be put into investigations and, you know, I, I, worked hard trying to get there. That's, I, I wanted to be a homicide investigator. The sheriff, even when I was in uniform, when the sheriff's office would have a killing and I knew they were out on it, I was calling Bob Hertz. He was the chief of detectives at the time basically just pestering him, you know, look, I'm, I'm off today. You need any extra help? (laughs) I love that. Yes. So I spent a lot of time doing that, just trying to basically achieve things that, that maybe I felt like, you know, I, I looking back that maybe I didn't put that foundation in there for myself, but I was, I knew now what I wanted to do at 18, you know, I'm still kind of floating and, and I really wanted to do that and and luckily it worked out for me
2: pause you there for a second because <clears throat> what he just said i kept calling bob Hertz. right what, what was he then he was the chief of detectives at that okay it's my day off got anything i could do for you and it goes back to what we talk about mm-hmm. all the time finding a mentor doing some stuff for free or you know you got a day off finding somebody who is mm-hmm. doing what you want to do and, and then and then trying to follow them trying to you know pick their brain, get them to be your mentor. Uh, those, we, me say and Todd, it, we are, say it every we show, say it every show, <laughs> but it's, but it's no matter who you bring in here so far, every successful person who's gotten to the point where they want to get to, Almost always has found that person or her has
1: has lived by that as well. Or found yeah, someone doing what they want to do and just like hey and and as he said pestering them, you <laughs> know what I'm saying to yeah. to do that. So so how how do you end up getting into so you end up getting into the the homicide investigations?
0: So the sheriff's office is not big enough where you just have different divisions of investigations. So you investigate everything from a petty theft to to the homicide you're like oh man this
1: is a buzzkill i thought i would just do the murders (laughs) (laughs) yeah but
0: but i was happy to do that and uh ended up working back in investigations for a big part of my career was offered you know to be promoted to sergeant to go back out on the street a couple of times and and one of the times that they came to me to do that it was a a case that i had been working for about four years and it was a pretty tough case Uh, where we ended up basically the the body had already decomposed nothing but bones uh, found the uh, bullet casings you know within the uh, the pile there around the crime scene so I started with just that and ended up working that case uh, for about four years and and ended up finally getting it to the point where I had the guys locked up and there was still a lot of stuff that needed to be done on it well then they come and they asked me to take a promotion to go out on the street and i asked him i said well what's going to happen to this case you know i definitely have to stay involved in this thing they said well you're gonna have to turn it over to somebody else i said we're gonna have to promote somebody else because i'm not giving this i'm not giving this this case up and I, i really worked hard with that case developed a relationship with with the mother of the victim and I wanted to see that case through. And and we had successful prosecution on that case. Let me get that straight. That's a, I know. When, when, it, when you started the case, you
2: started the case and it was just bones. Mm-hmm. That's so fascinating that you can start the case at that point and then end up figuring out who did it. How,
1: carrying on with that. So. How long had the person been deceased when you found the bones? Six months. Six months.
0: So he had been reported as a missing person and then um, in a different venue. Mm-hmm. And then uh, a couple of arrowhead hunters actually found the body. So we took the case, and, and, and it was slow, you know, but it but, um, took a while to even get a scientific. Identification on the body, we pretty much knew who it was, but uh, I really got to know the mitochondrial DNA. Dealt with a guy at the uh, FBI crime lab out in Quantico, Virginia, and went through the mitochondrial DNA, and that's the same way they identify the war dead.
1: Mitochondrial. I just wanted to say it, Ross. Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> See if I could <laughs>
2: <laughs> to to not give up. You know. Uh, years is unbelievable because you, you start and you're already so far behind you know what do they say like if you, if if you don't have somebody in, uh 48 hours 48 hours or something if you don't have a um somebody in custody or or know who it was um you start that behind that far behind and it takes four years at like some like after nine months you're like oh this might be a dick mm-hmm. case yeah. i don't know yeah
0: not wells <laughs> <laughs> It was it was a good case and there's a lot of good good stories and a lot of things that i learned out of that case um i was sitting in uh, a living room down in dallas texas doing an interview on this case because once i started locking the suspects up on that um, one of the suspects started trying to have me and a couple of the witnesses killed and that led to more things that needed to be done on that. And one of the things that, that I had to go do on that case was interview a guy in Dallas, Texas that was supposed to be the money man on supplying the people that was supposed to not only kill me but a couple of other people that was in this. And I can remember sitting in his living room doing this interview when the Columbine school shooting happened. So I always know, you know, it's one of those moments that every time I hear that Columbine school shooting, in conversation about that I always go back to this case that I'm working and I actually had an FBI agent with me when I flew into Dallas um, he went worked with me you know showed me where I needed to go he just kind of tagged along but took me where I needed to go down there in Dallas and then he asked me he says well do you have a place where you're staying tonight and I said well no I'm not checked into a hotel and he said "Well, there's a nice hotel right next to our our uh, uh, office downtown So we go and I go check into this hotel and we start to leave. He says, Well, go throw your bags in there, come out and we'll go have dinner somewhere. So we come out and I'm noticing around the FBI building in Dallas, Texas, a bunch of guys in polo shirts and, you know, fanny packs. You know, I mean, obviously, you know, they're FBI (laughs) agents. I said, man, you guys really guard your building at night around here. And he says, we normally don't do that, but he got pretty credible information that somebody's going to blow up our building tomorrow. Tomorrow's the anniversary of the Oklahoma City bombing, and somebody's made a threat on our building. And I said, well, thanks. You just put me in a building next to you. (laughs) So I woke up at five o'clock the next morning. I had my bag packed, and I was out of that
1: building. So, so Ross, not only the case is going slow; it's taking four years. You know what I'm saying? But someone's trying to kill you for it. Like, like, <laughs> and he had the opportunity to <laughs> yeah. get out. It was, oh, yeah. hey, sorry, got promoted. Got promoted. Yeah, that, here you go.
2: You can be the guy they're trying to snipe. But, you
1: know, that probably would have been the end of it because you had established rapports with all, you know, everybody involved. And if they try to bring somebody new in, it's probably, you know what I'm saying, the case probably
0: just falls, falls apart. That'd be like me, you saying, you know what, I'm not going to run my gym today. I want you to come in and run my gym. There's no way I could do that.
2: How, yeah. how close were they to getting you?
0: um is there ever I don't want to say that that they were close you know there was a couple of things that was going on around me that I always lay back onto those threats but at that time the the thing that really got me was my first son had just been born by all the time all this stuff was happening so I was really kind of spooked as to what was maybe going on around my domicile You know, before I didn't worry about it. You know, I had my squad car painted before I had stuff thrown in my yard and things like that. And I didn't really worry about that when I was single without a family. But then, you know, just like, you know, all of us, you know, you want to protect your family. So there was a few things that went on around me that I kind of laid back on that, but never anything that, you know, was right in front of me.
1: Okay. you know you're doing a job you know it's a protect and serve job for the community and trying to do the right things and then people paint your car people throw things like after a while you just like you know it's you just it's got to be gonna make you downtrodden sometimes you know because yep. you're just you're trying to do the best of your abilities for the community you know but and then people just you know crapping on you all the time
0: yeah that movie roadhouse when it came out <laughs> and you remember when he'd walk out after his night and his tires yeah, the, the, would be there, there was or, like
1: a there was a stop sign stuck there his windshield
0: right <laughs> yeah i remember walking out to my uh police car one time all my tires have been nice <laughs> <You
1: know, so. laughs> oh good old roadhouse be nice until it's time not to be nice that was on my that was one of my favorite quotes on there <laughs> me too i love that i love that part i know sam elliot he's the best Isn't? when
0: him? do we when do we know not to be when do we know not to be nice? When I tell you, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that 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 was a great movie.
1: Now, and kind of following on that, and with and this kind of goes back to the the three hundred applicants back then and fifteen now. I mean, being a being a police officer has always been a hard job, always a difficult job. You know, you're putting your life on the line, and every situation basically you walk into is negative. But now it's just so much harder, right? Everything is scrutinized. You know, with the cameras and just you
0: know. It is, but, you know, I look at the world through a different pair of binoculars. You know, the, the job is different now than what it once was. But really the way I look at it is is that if you were doing your job ethically and, and the way it should have been done, it doesn't matter if there's video cameras on you then or now. And the way things are now, the police reform, there's a lot of talk about that. But once you get inside and take a look at what's really going on there there's some things that i definitely don't agree with but there's other things you constantly have to be evolving with what's going on around in in your world and police officers are better now you know we're there to get in the middle of the chaos and and try to bring calm to the chaos and and for the life of me i promise you there's not a police officer around that that it does not matter what the skin color is all they are is just there to get in the middle of the chaos and calm the chaos.
1: I mean, I feel like it, every police officer I've ever known, it's always there's you have two you have two different sides. You have the good guys and you have the bad guys. You know what I'm saying? There's no skin color. There's no, you know, it doesn't matter how much money they have or things like that. It's always good guys and bad guys. That is correct. You know, that's 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 how I've always felt about it. Um,
2: I saw today on a. I don't know. Face so social media. I think it was today, yesterday, maybe. <clears throat> South Roxana. I mean, this is kind of off the subject, but they hired a new police officer. I'm sure they you know, did their due diligence, but he's a TikTok sensation. <laughs> did, you, did you guys see that?
0: No.
1: Is it, <laughs> is it a female?
2: No, it's a male.
0: Oh, I, didn't. I, I, I did see that. Now, I've not seen any of his TikToks.
2: TikTok celebrity. Bryce Dell is so- south South santa's newest police officer. You know who that is? Nope. Bryce Dell? No. Um Maybe we gotta get Bryce Dell
1: on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Bryce Dell, reach out. Come on. Now, if you're a TikTok sensation, wouldn't you be celebrity. making lots of celebrity? celebrity? The wouldn't do you not make, make any money off that?
2: I would think you would. Yeah. But I mean, like him, maybe that's what you know, that's what he grew up wanting to be.
1: TikTok sensation or a police officer? <laughs> police officer. <laughs> Huh? Okay. Hmm. I don't know. I it, when I see like police officers and firemen on like doing like those TikTok, I don't, I don't, I don't like it for some reason. I don't know why. You know what I'm saying? Like in their uniform and do. I I don't know why I don't like. I mean, they're it's an occupation. Uh, I'm not gonna let Chief
2: answer this. I'm okay. just gonna say Chief don't like that shit either. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, I I, I don't know why, but he's a mind reader. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of this is way off the subject. And, but just because you said mind reader, this is, you you know, uh, my buddy, Justin Brown. So we were talking about the chief one time and he, and he said this about Brad. He goes, Brad Wells, he doesn't look at you. He looks in you. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, that is correct. (laughs) (laughs) So from, from,
2: from Madison county, then let's get I know you're on a time schedule, so we'll from from Madison County, you then retire from there.
1: is he, this correct? He, well, he made it all the way to – He was the uh deputy chief or deputy yeah. sheriff but so but you
2: did retire yeah, I retired as the chief deputy okay, and then then what your next step to woodrow how do,
0: how does that all come come about so in two thousand and fifteen um obviously there was an election there that um that had gone on lakin had was taken over as sheriff and john lakin's a friend of mine and i told john you know when he was taken over i was at the point where um i could retire and and leave the sheriff's department and i and i told john just plan and i was putting the budget together for his first year and john had asked me you know what part of the department would i want to go because I would then be a captain wherever at in there. And I told John that I was gonna retire, just plan, obviously, without me not being here. And I really was. I, I went through, nor, now you can do kind of what's called an alternate list if you're already a policeman, more or less just go get an application and if they like you, you can get on that list and they'll just hire you, but that's all new. At the age of 50, I went through the normal
1: the retesting yeah,
0: retesting and <laughs> were you no. like in it
1: where where was the testing at it wasn't like in a gymnasium or so where where was it
0: no the the physical test actually did it down at uh, swick uh-huh and then the written test can't you
1: guys bring up my
2: reports from 1989 <laughs> yeah. let's go I, mean, I was yeah. number one in the class <laughs>
0: but but uh um, yeah but those were on clay tablets brad <laughs> they ended up giving the written test down there too but uh went through that normal testing again uh, to basically just come back, and that's I was I was really done with police administration at that point. I needed a break from it, mm-hmm. and and I ended up coming back to Wood River. Working as just a regular policeman again.
1: He, he's So he's deputy chief there, whatever, at Madison County. You know, basically second in command of how many officers do they have?
0: About 160. People. About
1: 160. And he just comes back in regular old popo, Ross. <laughs> and,
0: but, Breaking up fights at
1: the franchise.
0: <laughs> but that's at that point, that's what I needed. I really did. Yeah. I mean, I wanted to be able to make a doctor's appointment and keep it. You know, I yeah. just wanted a set schedule where I could come in, just do regular police work again. And really, to be honest with you, it might be the best three years of my police career. Wow. Because I i I had no aspirations of climbing the ladder. I wasn't competing with the guys I was working with to be the next one on the sergeant's mm-hmm. list. Uh, all I wanted to do is just, you know, be a regular policeman, do good for my community. And, and I really did have a good time.
2: When you retired from Madison County, did you know that you would continue doing something else in, in law?
0: Yeah, a lot of guys when they reach that age they move on to doing something else. And and I just you know, there was still gas in my tank to do that. There still is. Yeah. And and all I wanted to do is just just do regular police work again. And and even now being in the chief's job, you know, I still wear a uniform to work every day, I still wear We've my notice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I still try to do what I can to try to intermingle the two even with my administrative duties. Gotcha.
1: So when you were, came back on, on Wood River, like what was the, how old was like the youngest police officer there? Um, was he like the age of how much service you had put in? Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Like when he was born, like when you started because, uh, your yeah, law there enforcement was,
0: career? Yeah, there was guys there that, that, uh, were born after I'd already yeah. started. So, um, and I, and I think they were kind of suspicious of me as to why I was doing there, but it took me a minute to convince them, you know, that that I wasn't there to do anything other than just regular police work. Well, but then you did, you became chief. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like, I knew it, you asshole. <laughs> I knew it all the time.
1: <laughs> right, right. But I, but I, but I, it hurt like you, you really didn't have aspirations of being the chief. Like you just wanted to come in and just do police work and make the community better, but somehow yeah. it got thrust upon yeah. you kind of,
0: right? So how's that conversation go? Um, the The chief at the time was retiring and uh the city manager had indicated to me that obviously that he would but would also be looking on the outside maybe bringing somebody from the outside in to be the chief and obviously the fear of the unknown yeah you know as to who might come in that even though all i wanted to do is regular police work i'm also still kind of setting my ways on a few things mm-hmm. and and felt like well Depending on who that person is, you know, I could be in this spot and have more experience than than maybe what that person does, whoever that person might be. So I, I did, I put in for it and had a long conversation with the city manager. He put me in here, and and obviously, I think since then we've done pretty good things for the town. What year was that? 2018. 18. Yeah.
1: That 2018 is when you became chief. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Gotcha.
1: Yeah. Gotcha. And and so then so
0: here's what i i
1: love about brad's story and and so now he's all he's the police chief down there and he's also the uh what, what is your title the building and zoning building and zoning administrator building and zoning oh, and so you really had the inside i see who you me yeah the boni- the building and zoning administrator <laughs> taking you around the buildings <laughs> the, <right>. IP, <laughs> the ip ross uh but so like the reason he's taking that role on too it's not like he doesn't have enough on his plate but he wants to clean up the town of wood river you know what i'm saying he's not just trying to bust bad guys he wants to clean the town up and and bring it back to its prevalence like when the downtown was was thriving and and things like that
0: yeah we're doing a lot of stuff It, it gave me the opportunity you have to approach police work maybe a little bit differently now in municipalities and with the way the state is and we're going into the no cash bail that you have to approach our side of the business with a little different tool in your belt, and and we're really big on enforcing our ordinances in town. And my whole goal when I swore in as chief was I told the city council and the people in the room that it was my goal that no one has a bad neighbor in the city of Wood River. Nobody has a bad. I like that. I love that. Yeah. And and just keep it as simple as that. That if if somebody calls and reports some type of a nuisance, you know, listen to them and try to do something about it that day you know don't wait a day or two or a week or two or a month or two but if you can make a difference about whatever they're complaining about that day then go do it that day and we've really done just that where i think we are making a pretty good difference in our town
1: so he he started a thing down there called the wood river economic development committee committee correct and so <laughs> because i mean it's good and so he's he's wrangled i'm gonna use the word wrangled pestered all like these different like sort of businessmen and leaders like in the community down there i wonder how you got on this <laughs> <laughs> exactly but i mean like he's got this group of guys that are like you know like bob frederico that owns you know the federico and and tom DeClue that owns grp and this uh, tom maxwell is a highly successful and all these guys like jumping in on his like tom DeClue doesn't live in wood river you know what i'm saying obviously he does some business in wood river and and all these people just kind of coming together for this mission to to clean up the town and and make it thriving again which is and and the guy
0: is very driven on it which is it's i love it
1: that's
2: what well, it takes
0: our downtown was you know obviously i remember what it was when it was full of life and then a couple of things happened in the mid '80s. Walmart opened up in town, and then also 143 was redirected from Ferguson Avenue to to Madison Avenue. And oh, already, so I
1: didn't I didn't think about that. So 143 is to go right down through that downtown. Yep. And just kind of went one
0: street over, which took the traffic off of, yeah. of our downtown. So. A lot of things happen there. You got mom and pops that close, you know, the kids don't want to keep the business going. Mm -hmm. And then we also took away uh, a lot of the upstairs living that was not so good type personnel living in those homes or the above, above the businesses up there, which took a lot of the income away from what was maybe opportunities down, down below the business. So that's been that way for a long time Now we're going back, looking into you know, maybe opening up those uh, second floors for living again under the right circumstances. Things change, you know, people like that loft living and a lot of the buildings were being bought cheap and then they were just basically being used for warehousing instead of retail type businesses. Which, so, Which
1: doesn't bring people down, doesn't bring foot traffic.
0: Correct. So when I did take over as a building and zoning administrator, I then started looking at what we could do for these commercial buildings and then it's just kind of evolved from there and we're having some success you know we've gone out for some grants and also trying to potentially bring the bike trail connecting the bike trail from uh the west end. end yeah
1: so you know like right now it goes all the way up to up to Grafton up to Marquette Lodge and then it sort of ends at Wood River and then it restarts again at, where's that where's restart? Well, you've got
0: you've got the the trail that that runs along from Alton through Alton down the levees and then uh on the east side of the county you've about the closest connection we have is at Wanda that you can get on the bike trail at Wanda and drive it to Edwardsville and then you can go a lot of places once you hit the bike trails in Edwardsville yeah
2: but, but the Alto's gonna connect to it
0: yeah, and that's yeah. part of the conversations, too. So my goal there is, and we're actually going through a master plan right now, before you can go out for grants or anything like that, you actually have to develop a, a master bicycle pedestrian plan. So we've just started working on that. It'll take us about a year to get through that. But my goal there is, if you look at geographically, whatever is kind of the missing piece of the puzzle, that if we can connect the bike trail on the levees um, to the – moreland road area yeah. that would then connect you to wanda then you could actually get on your bike in marquette marquette park and ride it to O'Fallon, illinois if you wanted to so we're trying to connect that's that that cool from, right awesome from the levees to downtown downtown up to belt park and then belt park to moreland road so it, it's it a would lot of all communities it would that's, it would and then if we can do that our downtown will never die again it's it's unbelievable how
2: quickly an old downtown or a town can die mm-hmm. or take a big step back and how hard it is to bring it back. Yeah, You know, and it takes people like you and, and the committee that you've started and you say that he's on it and he's, he's driven. You have to be, you got to have those people or, or things just will not go
0: forward.
1: Yeah, and they've already brought some things, a burger bar down there. and just There's a lot of businesses that are already starting to starting to pop up, and people are starting to talk. And
0: a lot of phone calls. And it's funny how it all really kind of got started. Tom DeClue and I, um, when the we moved into the new police department, there was no flagpole system written into the architectural design. And when I took over and started looking at this, that was one of my goals was to – Uh, get the flagpole system going and then I also wanted to build a memorial for two police officers that had died in the line of duty in the city of Wood River back in the early 1900s so uh, a friend of mine Reggie Sparks um, I had the conversation with him he approaches Tom DeClue and says look can you fabricate a flagpole system for them so through those conversations Tom DeClue actually donated the time and material for our flagpole system. One kind of the best of, guys on the
1: planet. He right? is. He I is. Graduated a good guy. high school with him. Yeah. You don't find, he's one of those guys you get around, it's like, makes me want to be a better guy, person, it, right? It really it he really does. He does. He
0: makes me a better person. Yeah. You know, don't tell him I said <laughs> that. But um, they, they fabricate, it's kind of neat how they did it. And they kind of, um, our our police department is built on BP Amico old property. And they kind of put some bows and stuff like that to kind of, design the flagpole. I mean,
2: GRP just does outstanding work. Yes. I don't know him like you guys do, mm-hmm. but I mean, anytime they've done anything, they're just outstanding. Yes. They are.
1: Yeah. Now, now you, and you were telling me about this, not you guys, what, when the, when a police officer dies in the line of duty, anywhere in the country, I've, what, what is it you guys do?
0: We've got a, um, and, um, they actually designed that. We've got a light up on the flagpole where you can, you can actually light that up. You know, if a police officer dies in the line of duty, but
1: I thought you guys did something where you send
0: what, well we do that at christmas time so our christmas tree uh every year that we put up in our lobby and and patty lash from budget signs uh, actually has been heavily involved in this and actually donates the time and material to make the ornaments so when a police officer dies in the line of duty she'll make an ornament uh, with the officer's name his department and the date that he died and then we hang that on our christmas tree uh, during the christmas season and then after Christmas we actually mail that ornament to that department.
2: I'd never heard of that. That it's, is awesome. Isn't it? It's that outstanding. gave me it? chills. Yeah. yeah. That is awesome.
0: Yeah, and that, that wasn't my original idea. There was another police department across the country that, that I saw was doing that and, and we adopted that and, and I get such great notes and thank you cards and some of the stuff that'll just bring you to tears when you read it. You know, and families will write you back. So
1: yeah um now I, I know you don't have much time and i this, this is because i'm a fitness guy and i, I kind of talked to this uh, to marcos about this and i don't want to i don't want this to come across as negative because i know you're the opposite of this but like we talked about like in the testing uh like you get to take a physical test to be a police officer you have to pass that and then go to the academy and it's in and they have a pretty stringent like physical fitness tests and things like that you do that, but then once you become a police officer there's really no
0: test after that correct that is correct and i think a lot of that is is the world in which we live where if you require that then the guy gets hurt then you end up more comp situation which Mm -hmm. is you know if we could get past all that crap so to speak You know, I think it would make the world a better place in our our career. That's
1: something you'd like to see, then?
0: Yeah, I sure would.
1: They put in a a pretty nice gym down at the. You have a pretty nice gym down there at the police department now. Yeah,
0: we've got the opportunities for guys to stay, you know, stay fit, and um, you know, and and I tell Todd, you know, the the workout that that he gives at his gym and me coming to that gym. I mean, I'm. I think when I die, my kids are going to recycle me. You know, I've got so much metal in my body, and and it it keeps me doing what I'm doing.
2: And I, I,
0: staying on that, um, kind of act like Todd's not here a little
2: bit here. How <laughs> was um? And I'm curious. You said at the beginning that you know you were gonna make sure Todd stayed in Wood You did not want him to leave. What? What influence? What what does pride mean to the city of Wood River? Because when I when I think of like if you're gonna go work out in Bethalto, everybody Leisure World, Leisure World, and now Todd has also crept into bathalto where now it's not just Leisure World, Leisure World, as it's, it's you know it's it's kind of a landmark here, but now it's people talking about pride. But now I see pride when I look at it from outside. I see pride is now becoming a landmark in Wood River. You know how is he? How is how is not just Todd, but but Haley as well in that business. How has it benefited Wood River?
0: So my brother, Brent, started in your yard. Yeah. And then when he moved to the warehouse where he, where he was uh, down on old St. Louis Road, that's where, right after he moved in there is when I started going. And I would see the people that would come, the, the genuineness of most of the people there. It's, it's something that you can't describe. Um, the amount of people that come to town. And then when he told me that he was going to have to vacate that building, I, I, did, I honestly did. I mean, probably a lot of it without his permission. I started <laughs> twisting arms and poking ribs and things like that because I told him, I don't know how many times, I don't want you to leave Wood River. Yeah. Because of when you do have something like that so special, it almost feels like a separation if, if they would leave. And I just wanted to make sure that we kept him in town. And, and I spent a lot of time just driving around town. And, and actually, the building he's in is one of the first buildings that I called him on uh, for him to look at. And maybe seemed unreachable at the time. But then, you know, as things happened, um, I, I can't be happier where he's at. I mean, it's right there on Front Street coming into town. And and no matter who you talk to, uh, people know about pride now. And they know mm-hmm. that that is in Wood River. And, and we sit and did the math just on numbers from the old place that you're looking at 23 24 000 people coming into town um, at various times some of the same people but those same people are going to stop in your gas stations your grocery stores you know those type things so i didn't want to lose that but but more importantly i didn't lo- want to lose what he offered to our town mm-hmm
2: yeah so where he was before in the first warehouse is that
0: your jurisdiction down there to me from Bethalto, it gets
2: a little murky down i don't know if i'm in east alton south roxana when i yeah, was that, that was that you? Yep that that is in Wood So now you don't have to deal with the parking. And so it's a big, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: let me let me tell you this, and I, I don't. Know, this could make some listeners mad, but when Brad took over as chief, our parking problems got a little better.
2: <laughs> let just you gotta know people let's sometimes. Let's just say man. that Ross. Let's just
1: say that, I, and I, Brad's got to get out of here. We. But one thing I want to say, Ross, bring up. So, Brad his family, they they have genetically bad hips. Do you know what I'm saying? He had he's you've had one or two replacements. I've had both of mine. Yeah. He's had both his. Brent has had one, one replaced. Has your other your other brother
0: Boyd? Nope, just him and I. And we no. were the only two that carried gun belts for a living. So nah, the Loxas have bad shoulders. So <laughs> bad hair too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but so Brad has a hip has his hip replaced. He hip replaced. Take out his old hip. Put a new hip in. He is back at circuit. Was it just? Was it like a day under eight weeks?
0: yeah on the first one
1: yeah, yeah on a day first. a day under eight weeks he's back not not going in and doing some curls he's back at circuit <laughs> hey
2: get my wallet out of that bag which one's yours that's the right. one that says bad motherfucker on it <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah right <laughs> but that that's a great that's a great that's, story that's, right that's, that that just shows Very like his impressive. his toughness and things like that you have to promise to come back on here Sure. I mean we've already we are at 12:05 and you have to be somewhere at 12:15. Sure. So we 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 ate through an hour like like that. So you have to promise to come back on there's a ton of stuff we haven't
0: we haven't touched on. Yeah, I could probably got a few things to ask you guys. Too. <laughs> well, <laughs> well hey, so it's our show. You get your you get your own show, okay? <laughs> well, we'll leave it
1: at that. Appreciate you coming in chief. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks a lot. We appreciate it.
2: All right welcome back to the after show eat slay live podcast at uh, chief Bradwell's. S- first of all i'm gonna apologize for a couple things sorry that was so short yeah because seemed like said. 10 minutes Ooh. i want to i so i don't forget about this i want to apologize all of our listeners um for todd todd's story about red eye it was great it, i i understand he was big you know big part of your life and growing mm-hmm. up and stuff but you know and and i was intrigued but then he started talking about some other stuff He's in the Naismith Hall of Fame. He was an NBA referee. Like, he really started to pull me in and get me intrigued.
1: But then he didn't know what was he didn't know anymore? more <laughs> you know, i wanted well, more todd i wanted uh, more of I, that stuff you know red eye never talked about it and like i felt like yesterday wasn't like the best time to try to drill the family <laughs> yeah. for my my Absolutely. facebook post you know what i'm saying you know, and I,
2: but I, but going i mean this is camsville of how many people live there Yeah, 350 he lives there his now, whole right? life yeah. He, yeah. he's in the naismith hall of fame which is for the ncaa college hall of fame and he was an NBA – he's an – he was an MBA fucking ref. Yeah. From Campsville. Yeah. Unbelievable. Purple I mean, this Heart dude,
1: cr- fought in Korea. I mean, just – I amazing. know
2: so little about him besides I know he was the junior high coach yeah. or – right, that was what he was, the junior high coach. And um, his, his wife was my babysitter the few years I lived in Campsville. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know a whole lot about him and met him a handful of times through my life, normally when, when I was young. No idea – No idea that he had, you know, more than just a junior high coach and a mentor to all these kids from camps like that, that he did some absolute remarkable
1: things in his life. You know, it's funny as we had a little gathering after the, the, the showing yesterday and I was talking, I talked to these four dudes and they were married to red eyes, granddaughters. So these four dudes married to red eyes, granddaughters. And so they knew him as this grandfatherly figure. And I'm like, that mofo was a savage <laughs> and they're like they just like what huh yeah. I, they they didn't get it they're just they're remembering this 90 year old man that, yeah. you know a grand like this grand great grandfather figure and, and, and when i was telling him like stories about him they're like they couldn't they couldn't freaking believe it but yeah um you know and and i i talked to some people i went to school with and stuff not yesterday but i have in the past And like they still like because like I didn't love Red Eye back in the day. Do you know what I'm saying? You never hard. do you at never the time. Do. You don't appreciate it. At and, the time but I appreciate. I it was exactly what I needed and helped me. And the people that still don't like him because of that they they didn't learn valuable life lessons yeah. that they could have. That was a that was a that was learned. Those were learning moments. That you should have kept. Don't hold it. Be or they're just extremely soft. You know. But
2: you know, as a as as a coach for a while, and you're trying. You know, you try to teach each. You know try to be fair with each which each player student you know whatever but sometimes you get a different relationship like sometimes your tactics that you believe in and, and use you know uh, they work or they influence a certain student or a certain player more than they do with someone else because right. they just don't work that way or whatnot. And, and, you know, it is on you, you know, probably red eye wasn't changing for nobody, but now <laughs> in the day, you yeah. know, coaches do need to, you got to feel your players out, get to know them on a different level and see what motivates exactly. them and what is going, not just motivates them to help you be a better team, but also, you know, me, I was big. I wanted to motivate a kid so that he did come back. And we were uh, had a had a different relationship later on when they graduated and things like that. I wanted to try to figure out what was going to help this kid be more successful in life down the road. And I think a lot of coaches now are more like that. As mm-hmm. a, you know, you got you know it was a lot more army oriented back then. Right. as my way or the fucking highway? Right. And, you know,
1: I, I hit the highway. I <laughs> yes, <laughs> you did. Yes, you did. So man, let's let's talk about our guest, yes, Chief. Absolutely. Chief Wells. I, I, it absolutely. He only had a certain amount of time, and so yeah. thats I feel like we just we don't, we didn't get anywhere, yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? great and, stuff and I'll, and I'll touch
2: base. we didn't get anywhere because as're get, he's getting ready to leave, he drops a bomb on us, <laughs> his sword fight. <laughs> he had a sword fight at one time, and, and I'm so glad now, you said hey you got a promise to come back because yeah. he does have to come back now because I'm telling you what he just dropped on us about the sword fight that he had. <laughs> It was remarkable. It was. The it garage. was like something
1: out of a movie. It, yeah. it, he's got to come back on until he had his gun out. The guy was going to hit the other guy, the guy with the sword with the shovel. If he just has to stop up in his cop car and come <laughs> in the front door, drop this story on us next time we're in
2: here, that's so be it.
1: But the the audience has to hear this. He, what what a great guy. Do you know what I'm saying? And, and I, it, it, he's another guy like you just talk about, like, you know, he's tough. You know, he kind of like when I talked about red eye, like not, I mean, Chief Wells, he's a tough dude. He's a tough dude, but it has a, like a heart of gold, too. Do you know what I'm saying? The best of yeah. kind of both both worlds or whatever. A so Big big hat, hats off to him about what he's trying
2: to do in Woodriver right now with that committee. Um, as I've become a business guy, a businessman in Bethalto now, and we've started a, a business conference here that was never started um, or never existed before, I was kind of part of that. N- not that I'm – Real high up on it, but I was part of it from the ground mm-hmm. ground up. The five or six, I was ten of us. Um, and it's hard to get new stuff like that going in a town because a town like Bethalta or Wood River, they have their ways. Mm-hmm. And 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 Bethalto is a great community, but community can always be better, right. and it needs to keep the the wheels spinning to stay updated and and just the smallest things to. Staying updated on your stop signs or your street signs or your or your street lights and and just keeping your town beautiful and wanting people to move into your town or, commu- or you know businesses to, but it's a hard hard game. And Bethalto, you know I, I we haven't had that big economic step back that Woodriver has, mm-hmm. and so it's hard to get stuff going even in Bethalto right now. I can't imagine how hard you know, the uphill battle he has in front of him. And like you said, he's motivated. You got to have some suckers <laughs> yeah. that are super motivated to get things really going in the right. S- direction suckers was the talent. right word. Suckers,
1: was- <laughs> 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 But yeah, you know, and it's, it's, it's so awesome that he's not coming there just to be a, A policeman, a police chief. You know what I'm saying? Just you know, trying to get rid of crime. Mm -hmm. He's coming to. You hear people? I'm going to come in to clean up this town. Well, they don't normally literally mean clean up the town, but he does. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? From getting rid of bad guys to making it look nice to bringing in businesses and just like kind of a one-stop shop with him. You know, I I love that. I didn't know know that about him. He's so driven. You could you can see like the drive the guy Uh, has. Talking about like wanting to be that like a homicide investigator. Like that was his goal. My, my first time back to
2: uh Pride and you know, forever, and I go down. I show up that one morning, oh. blah blah. Who does Todd partner partner me up with? The uh, Chief Brad Rose. <laughs> 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 right? Got <laughs> yeah, so, no. me on my toes. It's like you know, he's just that figure. Like you said, he sees. He doesn't look you in the eyes. What'd you say? He sees. He, he doesn't. He doesn't look at you. He looks in you. Yeah. It, and so you partner partner me up with him yeah. that day, and it's like he becomes. I don't know that coach over your shoulder like i i you don't I want to want disappoint, disappoint him. him exactly and i and i know him but not well enough that i should have cared right. you know if he thought i was a wuss and stopped earlier and, nope i kept and, going and like with that
1: economic development thing like i don't have time to be doing that i really don't anybody else in the world asked me that, I'm nowhere, no way yeah. no time but him it's just like you don't want to disappoint him do you yeah. know what i'm saying just he just has that presence about That's him the you you know presence what I'm saying? Yeah. it's just this sort of there's a calm there's a calm with him, but you you know behind there, there's just like a, like some sort of like hidden intensity or what I'm not yeah, describing it
2: right, but it, that's a very, very, I mean, I, better than I could do because there's this presence of calmness, mm-hmm. but you just know,
1: yeah, you better keep
2: <laughs> repping those out. <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: I can't believe how fast that went, but we'll get, we'll get him back in here. That that'd be awesome. So one, went, went real quick before we go studios our new studios coming along great paint job got a new paint job yesterday kevin zini zini painting took care of us blacked it out going down today look at it for a new podcast table won't have to use your desk anymore it's uh you sent me that stuff
2: yesterday and i and i meant that you know the tables are getting sent Mm -hmm. because we got we got blueprints being done you send me the video that got you know zini painting Mm -hmm. and like i sent to you and i meant i'm like I'm getting fucking excited. <laughs> I like, know, right? <laughs> it looks like, it, like you said it. It looks like a real studio. It, it
1: does. I know it's
2: it's very exciting. And, and, and the
1: f- an atmosphere it brings a lot yes, to I things agree. like this. Anything, you know. My my legs don't go under the the table here that we're sitting. at. <laughs> um, and for the first time, Ross, in the history of Pride Fitness, we have Wi-Fi. What? Good luck getting that password. Good luck getting that <laughs> password. <laughs> But pride fitness now. Hey everybody, it's pride two two. <laughs> uh, the 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 guy that this guy from Spectrum that came in and put the cable and he's like, oh, so this is a big building and you want it to like listen. I don't care. Anybody in that little workout area can get on the Wi-Fi. I just need this room right here. That's it. Okay. Uh, good times, brother. Good, ta- good times. I'm, I'm gonna
2: leave everybody with this from uh,
1: Chief Wells.
2: I love this quote. No one has a bad neighbor in Wood River.
1: Love that, too. Love that. This has been the Eat, Slay, Live podcast. And we are the lock Executioner. Slay on, brother. Slay on.